And I want to ask you a question as we get started. Have you ever felt unprepared for something? Have you ever gone into something and you felt like you, you, you got there and then all of a sudden you realized, oh, I'm not really ready. Like, I, I didn't come prepared for this. Well, several years ago, I, I took some of uh, my students, a couple of my students that like to camp. I love to camp. I love to backpack in particular. And in case you're not aware, backpacking is where you put everything in your backpack and you hike down a trail. And whenever you get ready, you unpack your backpack and set up camp and, and just enjoy nature, enjoy the journey. And then the next day, you pack everything up and keep going down the trail. And, and once you're ready to unload again, you just camp in a different spot. And I don't know. I love it. It's beautiful. I love being in nature. I feel closer to God whenever I'm in nature. I'm in the woods, and I'm just surrounded, just looking around and just seeing the beautiful things that he's created. And so I took a few of my students. This has been several years ago with me, and we went on a backpacking trip up in uh, the mountains in Arkansas. And uh, I've shared a portion of this story with you before, so if you've heard it before, then just bear with me. Uh, but we had been hiking for about 15 miles, and we'd been stopping every seven or eight miles along the way. Uh, so we had already camped out two nights, and, and uh, we had one more night ahead of us. Um, but what we had done is we had already made it from where we started to where my truck was going to be. I had a, a shuttle service take my truck from where we started, and they took it all the way around this mountain to the other side and left it there in this certain spot. Um, and so we hiked to my truck, and we still had a day left that we had planned to be there. And so we thought, okay, well, let's take all the stuff out of our backpacks that we, that we haven't used or we don't need, and let's hike in uh, on this different trail about three or four miles in, and we'll stay the night, and then just hike back to the truck in the morning, and then we'll head home. And so we, we got to the truck, and I had way overly prepared for the trip. And as I, I tend to be overprepared for everything. If I ever go anywhere with my family, we've got way too much stuff with us that we don't need. And uh, I know, you know, there's a, uh, a stereotype about men that they just pack the smallest bag and they're never prepared. Well, that's not me. Um, I always pack way more than I need because I don't want to be caught somewhere not having what I need. And I'm too cheap to go out and buy something if I've already got it, so I'm going to pack it just in case. And, and uh, so anyways, uh, I love backpacking, love camping. I packed everything with me. And going out on a trail in the middle of the wilderness with a few of the students that, you know, you feel responsible for their livelihoods while they're with you, I thought, well, I'm going to be prepared for every scenario. And up in the mountains of Arkansas, they have bears they have mountain lions. They have all of these things up there. And so I thought, I'm not going to be caught unprepared if a wild animal decides that I look like a tasty meal or one of my students. I don't know. Maybe there's one of them. I'll, I'll you know, let the bear have them. But I don't know. We'll see. It depends on how the ride goes on the way up there. Anyways, so I carried my handgun with me. And I thought, if an animal comes to attack me, I'm going to have the upper hand. Well, we had spent those, those three days and those two nights hiking, and, and we, we have just one more night to go, and we have not, I mean, we've seen some eagles, we've seen some squirrels and that kind of thing, but we had seen no bears, we'd seen no mountain lions, we hadn't even heard a coyote howling the entire time we were there. And so whenever we got to my truck, I was thinking, man, this backpack has been really heavy this week because I have way overpacked it. So I'm going to take some things out, and keep only what I need. My tent, my sleeping bag, some food. We're only going three miles in to the wilderness here, and we're coming right back in the morning. Well, one of the things I took out, because it was a heavy object, was my, my handgun. I thought, I won't need it. We're good. We get everything out, we put it in the truck, lock the truck up, we start hiking down the trail. We get to where we're going, and it was one of the prettiest parts of the the hike that we had been on up until this point, and we're having a good time. We're enjoying ourselves. We're way ahead of schedule, so we feel like we're champions, and, and uh, we, we get to our campsite, and we start setting it up. We, we had uh, found this nice little place by a river. It's beautiful. You can hear the sound of the river trickling down, and, 
and uh, it's just really, really pretty. And uh, so we decided to set up camp there, and it was about 30-ish yards off of the trail, off of the hiking trail that we set up our camp. And so we're setting up camp, and, and it's, the sun is just going down, and, and we're building a fire, and we're getting our, our hammocks out, and, and all of this kind of stuff, and we're getting ready to cook our food. And, and uh, in fact, one of the guys has already cooked up his food, and we hear some footsteps in, on the trail over behind us. And it was getting late, and so we thought it was some more campers. And so we're thinking, you know, we'll just holler out, let them know we're here. We don't want to startle them or anything. And so I just say, hey! We hear the footsteps some more. I said, is anybody out there? No reply. I just hear some more footsteps. And I'm like, hey, is anybody up there? We're, we're down here by the river, just letting you know. No reply, which is really unsettling because most backpackers are normally very friendly on the trail. If you pass someone, they're very friendly. They want to stop and talk and chat. How many miles have you gone? How many nights have you stayed? And all this kind of stuff. And, and so I was kind of startled by the fact that no one was replying to my response. And so we're, we're kind of like, man, I don't, I don't know what that was. And I was telling the guys, I was like, well, it, it could have been several things. It was something larger. This wasn't a squirrel walking through. Like, this was something larger. Could have been a deer. Uh, could have been a hog. Um, it could have been a mountain lion. I don't know. And the guys were like, <gasps> I was like, I, I don't know. And they said, well, at least you've got your gun with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, guys, about that. <laughs> you remember whenever we took some of the stuff out of our bags at the truck? Yeah, I, uh, that was one of the things I left in the truck. <laughs> and they're like, you've got to be kidding me. I promise you, as we're having this conversation, just down the trail, we hear the wildest cat scream. You have, ev I mean, sent chills down our spines. Just, and we all froze up. And the guy's are like, what do we do? I'm like, well, if it was a deer, it's just going to run away. It's going to be scared of us. If, if it was a hog... You know, uh, you can climb a tree and get away from a hog. You know, they can't climb. Um, if it was a mountain lion, uh, I'm, I'm going to be running and hope that I beat one of you guys. <laughs> like, just hoping that you're going to be slower than I am. <laughs> Y'all, we, we built the biggest fire we have ever built. And we were making as much noise as we possibly could to try to scare off anything that would have been around us. We, we, I mean, we were so scared. We were like, you know, hey, we're going to stay up. Like, I'll stay up two hours. You guys go ahead and sleep. Then I'll go to sleep, and you wake up, and you stay up two hours. And if y'all see or hear anything, let us know. So I'd fallen asleep, and one of them was watching, and they, what's going on? I hear something down by the river. And we hear this. And so we are, I mean, all is just shaking. I was like, I don't know what to do. I feel so unprepared. What happens? I'm going to get fired from my job because the parents are going to make sure of it. Like if one of their children dies. Got a flashlight out. We're looking around. It was a raccoon drinking. All night long, we were just so frazzled. The next morning, we're like, oh, great, guys. The sun's up. Let's go. <laughs> Got all of our stuff. We walked back to the truck. We ended up okay. None of us got eaten. Um, thank the Lord. But I don't know if you've ever felt like that before. Like you've walked into something and you felt unprepared, especially if you feel like it has the potential of being a life-threatening thing. Um, but I love this one portion of the Bible that I want to read with you today in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in, in verse 10. But Paul is telling us, telling the, the people in Ephesus, the believers, they're both Jews and Gentiles, he, he's giving them 
all of this encouragement in the first five chapters of Ephesians. He's telling them how to live together because they were so different. We had the Jews and you had the Gentiles. Neither one of them liked each other, and, but now they're following Jesus, and so they're trying to figure out how to get along, and, and Paul gives them all of this instruction on how to do that. And then towards the end of the chapter, in chapter 6, he tells them these words right here, starting in verse 10. A final word. In other words, he's saying, because of all the stuff I've said previously, pay attention to this. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Someone say, fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, Paul is telling them. He's, he's on house arrest at this point. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. As I should. So Paul is, is giving this direction to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, a very large city, the third, probably the third largest city in the world at this time. And he's giving them this instruction be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God, all the armor of God, so that you can stand against the strategies of the devil. And he's, he's giving them all this. And, and I love what he does. He uses a visual. I like seeing things to wrap my mind around a certain concept that I'm trying to learn. And so Paul, he gives them this illustration that the armor they should be putting on is much like the armor of a Roman soldier of that day. Now, he's writing in Ephesus. Ephesus is, is Jews and Gentiles all together, and so the people there would be really familiar with this illustration because right now he's telling them to think of a soldier's armor. And at this time, the Roman emperor was advancing his empire beyond just Rome right there. They were taking over the entire world at this time. And soldiers were being dispatched to all the countries around to enforce the, the laws of the emperor, to enforce the Roman way of life, the Roman culture. And so whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, you were familiar with this example because you had seen these Roman soldiers everywhere. They were on every street corner. They were knocking on your door, collecting your taxes. They were telling you what to do, what not to do. And so Paul's giving them, them this illustration. I love this, especially to the Jewish people at this time, because they were the ones kind of on the short end of this stick. He's telling them, hey, put on the armor just like the bad guys, just like those guys that are coming and taking your money and telling you what to do. Put on armor just like them. Only, listen, we're not fighting a flesh and blood battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And so he uses these components of this armor to give them this idea of what spiritual components they should be putting on. And so I, I always have three points. Here's point number one today. Take the devil seriously. Listen, this is what Paul is telling the people in Ephesus. He's saying, hey, listen, take him seriously. He has a strategy against you. Can I say this to you lovingly? The devil hates your guts. He really doesn't like you. He thinks you're a loser. 
I mean, he really, really, really hates you. My grandmother's sitting back there. I'm so glad you came, grandmother. She's told me all my life growing up, she said, don't say the word hate because that's such a strong word. And I think it's actually an appropriate word to use here because he really, really hates you. Strongly and passionately hates you. He wants you gone. He wants to see you lose. Pastor's saying that's enough of that. Come on, I didn't want to hear that this morning. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I'm for real. Paul is telling them this. Listen, you have to understand that we're not just fighting flesh and blood battles. We're not just fighting with people. It, listen, he's, he's saying, look at this Roman soldier over here. Yeah, the one wearing the armor, the one that you are pitted against, the one that you cannot stand. Yeah, you're not fighting against him. But you do need to put on some armor because there is a very real spiritual battle taking place right now. I want to say this to you. If you are in this room, you can see me, you can hear my voice, you are going through a spiritual battle right now, whether you recognize it or not. Every single one of us is going through a spiritual battle right now, and it's real. The prophet Daniel in the Old Testament he tells us of this story, how he prayed to God for an answer, and, and in the story, this angelic being is, is dispatched. God, God sends this angelic being to go and answer Daniel's prayers. But 20 days have passed, and Daniel's prayers still hadn't been answered. On the 21st day, this angelic being shows up in front of Daniel and is like, hey man, I've been trying to get here for 21 days. He tells Daniel, this is, is very prophetic, very, a very powerful visual that Daniel gives us. This angelic being is telling him, hey, the moment you prayed, God sent me to answer your prayer, but I was hindered by an evil spirit, a demonic spirit, a principality, which means a, a prince, a ruler over a geographical location. Did y'all even know that there are spiritual forces assigned by Satan himself over geographical areas? According to the Word of God, that's 100% accurate, all over. In fact, we just read it. Paul says this, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Depending on what uh, version you're reading, it says principalities. We're fighting against principalities. The angel being told Daniel, he said, I wouldn't even be here if Michael, the archangel, hadn't been sent to help me in this fight. Y'all, this is crazy, but it's real. We're living in a physical world, but there is a spiritual world that is just and even more so real than this flesh and blood that we see and feel and, and hear and taste and touch every single day. You are in a spiritual battle. Paul is saying this. You need to understand that. You need to understand that. John chapter 10, verse 10 says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And he's not talking about a, a, a guy that puts on a mask and goes in to rob a bank, a thief. He's talking about the thief, Satan. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Notice this. That is his purpose. He has given himself this life goal of stealing, killing, and destroying. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. And he wants to destroy you and anything and anyone that you love. Anything and anyone that you love. Paul's giving them this warning. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power because there's really someone out there that wants to take you out. There's someone out there that wants to take you out. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 through 9 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls aloud like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family, that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering. 
that you are. So I want you to understand this. We need to take the devil seriously. Because he has a, listen, he hates you so much, he takes time to plan and strategize your doom. (laughs) That's a comforting thought. (laughs) Glad I came to church this morning to hear that. (laughs) I'm for real. I'm for real. First Peter tells us to stand firm against him. Let me ask you this. How do you stand firm against something? First, you have to understand the thing you're standing against. You have to understand the enemy's strategy against you. If you're going to stand against something, think about a a football team. Whenever you watch a football team, college or professional, even high school or middle school, whenever they go into a game, they don't just go having worked out. They go into a game having watched tape, watched recordings of the opposite team so that they can see their plays, that they can see all of their tricks, they can see uh, their players to know where their strong players are going to be, to know which number to look out for on the field. They, they strategize how to beat the team. They will adapt their, their culture and their method of playing to the ability of the other team so that they can beat them. And the Bible tells us to stand firm against the devil because he's got it out for you. Listen, we need to take him a little bit more seriously, y'all. Take the devil serious. Point number one, take the, point, take the devil seriously. Here's point number two. Don't take the devil too seriously. <laughs> take him seriously. Don't take him too seriously. What do you mean, Pastor Sam? I'm really not following right here. (laughs) I think we've got some Christians that they don't consider that the devil has a strategy against their life. And then you've got some Christians that think everything that happens to them is the devil. (laughs) You got some people that... (laughs) Man, coming into work, I got stopped by every single light, every single red. That's just the devil trying to slow the child of God down. No, probably not. It's, it's maybe that you're not reflecting one of the fruits of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit should be producing or that you should allow the Holy Spirit to produce in your life, and that's patience. It's not that the devil's mad at you. And his grand scheme in life is to make you stop at every red light. You just need to have a little bit of patience. Then we need to take the devil seriously. He has a strategy against us, but don't take him too seriously. Because you are a child of God. And he does not have any authority over you. Wow. Wow. I want to say it like this. Have you ever been in a a place or a, a time or a situation or season in your life where you feel like you have just hit the bottom. And while you're laying down there at the bottom, Satan just kind of takes a few steps back and looks at you, and gets ready and squares up and just comes up and bow. <laughs> you're like, oh, like, come on, dude. I was already down. I'm already hurting. I cannot believe you would do that to me. Whenever we lose a loved one and our hearts are in pain and we're hurting and and we're grieving and you get a speeding ticket on the way to the funeral, you're like, my goodness, this couldn't get any worse. And then everything gets worse. And we as Christians, we get mad at the devil. I can't believe you would do this. Like, we expect him to give us mercy. Like, do you understand what I'm going through, Satan? Like, do you really get it? Because I don't think you do because I am laying on the ground bleeding right now and you're coming up and kicking me. How dare you? I can't believe you would do that. Really? I mean, we can't believe that the devil would do that. His only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy He wants no mercy on you. He wants no mercy on you. And so I think a lot of times, check this out, this might be a little bit deep, but 
I think a lot of times we will credit him for every bad thing that happens in every bad season of our lives. But I think whenever we do that, we're giving him a little bit too much credit. Now, we need to take him seriously, but not too seriously. Because if we are surprised or shocked or, or just outraged that he would try to attack us whenever we're down and we're blaming it all on the devil, then let me say this. Does that mean that he is also to be getting credit for the good times in our life? Because he still hates you. He still wants to kill, steal, and destroy from you. So if he's attacking us while we're down, but then whenever we have the good times in our life and everything finally seems like it's going pretty okay, then should we say, devil, I want to thank you so much for not attacking me right now. No, absolutely not. That's ridiculous train of thought. Listen, I think we give him way too much credit. Way too much credit. You see, here's the thing. In, in life, we go through life. We live in a sinful, we live in a broken, we live in a fallen world. But that, I think that means we just need a little bit more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. A little bit more patience. A little bit more self-control. A little bit more gentleness. A lot more faithfulness. Come on, y'all. We need to take the devil seriously. Don't take him too seriously. Don't take him too seriously. I love Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. We read just a moment ago. Paul tells them this. He says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. He's telling them this. Take him seriously. But check out the next part. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. In other words, don't take him too seriously. Like, take him seriously. Understand he has a strategy against you. But you also need to understand that if you put on the armor of God, if you stand in his strength and in his mighty power, you don't have to worry about him. You don't have to feel threatened by him. You don't have to take him too seriously because we have a God that has all the authority and all the power and all the dominion. We just have to stand in the Lord. So we need to understand that he has a strategy, but don't take him too seriously. Don't give him credit for everything. Listen, he's not that good. He's not that strong. Because we are children of God. Come on. Mm. Still be, and I love this. Paul says, you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. He doesn't say at the end of the battle you're going to be, uh, 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 oh, oh. No, he says after the battle you're going to be standing firm. Not just standing, standing firm. Come on. We've got a powerful God, y'all. We've got a powerful God. It was about a year ago. Uh, by the way, I want y'all to meet Jeff. This is Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff has been with us for many years. He's faithful to come to, he's here every Sunday. Um, he spends most of his time in the storage room of the church. Uh, but I promise you, if you come next Sunday, he will be here somewhere. Um, and in fact, uh, where's Miss Diane? There you are. Um, I've had Jeff in several rooms throughout the church over period, different periods of time. And uh, during the week, when she comes up here to clean, and she opens the door, and there's a, a, uh, a tall person standing there. I, I can imagine she's had a few frights. <laughs> I put her in my office, put him in my office one time thinking I'm, I'm really going to get Miss Diane whenever she comes to clean tomorrow. Um, but he's normally in the storage room. And about a year ago, my, my son Jack, he, uh, we we're up here at the church, and I, I guess I was getting ready for something, so I had to go through the storage room to get something, and he was with me, and he, he walks into the storage room, and he sees Jeff, and he, like, stops. And he's looking, he's three years old. He's looking at him, and he, he runs out, and I'm like, what, what's going on? So I got there, and I'm like, dude, I need your help. He's like, I don't want to go in there, Daddy. Why not? Who's that man in there? Oh, this is just Jeff. It's just like a statue. He's not real. 
I'll just wait for you out here, Daddy. <laughs> like, no, c- come on, you, you'll be fine. And, you know, I'm thinking as a dad, like, I don't want my kid being scared of everything. And so I'm like, hey, you know, come on, Jack, let's go in there. It's fine, I promise you, I'll show you. Look, he's nothing to worry about. Like, he's fine, he's not scary at all. He's just a bunch of plastic. And I'm, I'll just wait out here. I remember I knelt down and I said, Jack, I want you to understand, your daddy's pretty strong. Not as strong as Marquise, but pretty strong. And if anything ever tried to get you, you better believe that your daddy would take care of the problem. I would never let anything hurt you. I think I'll just wait out here, daddy. (laughs) And it wasn't until, you know, several months ago that he he just, you know, now he just walks in the storage room. (laughs) Oh, hey, Jeff, you know. (laughs) But I love this about our God. We don't have to be frightened. We don't have to be fearful of the strategy of the devil. We just need to be aware so that we can develop a strategy of our own to come against him. And we need to understand that with the armor of God and standing in the mighty power of God, not in our own mighty power, but in the mighty power of God, we don't have to fear going into places that seem, or situations that seem scary or frightening. So take him seriously, but don't take him too seriously. Yeah, he's not that good. Here's point number three. Don't take yourself too seriously. (laughs) Paul tells us in verse 14 to stand your ground And he gives them instructions on how to do this, and none of it has to do with ourselves. None of it has to do with our own power, or our own strength, or our own might. I wanna show you what he tells us to do. He tells us to put on the belt of truth. So right here, I've got this as an illustration. The belt of truth. He tells us, put on the belt of truth. So I've spent some time studying and thinking, okay, you know, why did Paul give them this illustration that to stand against the enemy, we need the belt of truth? What does that mean to me? And so I got to studying, I got to praying, and then I was like, wow, God, you're really clever. Like, you're, you're so detailed, you're so meticulous with all of your with all of your words and and it's no different here in Ephesians chapter 6 he says the very first piece of the armor is the belt of truth he says put on the belt of truth now why would he say that it's because the devil is a liar and the very first defense we should have against him is against his number one strategy against us he is a liar he is a liar Check this out. Jesus was rebuking some believers in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, for you are the children of your father, the devil. Ooh, that, that, that hit deep. <laughs> and you love to do the evil things he does. Wow. He was, a, talking about the devil, this is Jesus. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the, because there is no in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar, and the father, in other words, the originator of all lies. If you didn't know this, I I want you to get this deep down inside of you today. The devil is a liar, and whenever he comes to attack you, the very first thing, this is his strategy, I'm going to go ahead and put him on blast here, the very first thing he's going to do is try to lie to you. He's going to try to get you to believe something that is not true. And so the Bible tells us our first component of the armor for our defense against the enemy as attacks is the belt of truth. Listen, we need to have the truth of God's word around us. We need to have it put on tightly, strapped on tightly. Now, I used to drive an armored truck several years ago. And so I had to, to go through uh, security officer training to be a commissioned security officer, which means you're a security officer that can carry a gun. And they told us all of these rules, all of this, all of this information we had to know to be a, a licensed commissioned security officer in the state of Louisiana 
we had to know all this information. They told us this, uh, an essential part of your uniform is your gun. And your gun cannot be strapped to your leg, to your back. You can't have the, the shoulder straps or anything. It's got to be on your waist. It's got to be on your belt. Why? Because your belt is the part of your clothing that kind of holds everything together. <laughs> but it's also very easily accessible. And I believe that God is giving us the same illustration here in Ephesians chapter 6. Truth needs to be secured around us so that we don't believe the lies of the enemy. Not only that, but it makes everything, it makes the weapons that we're going to hear about in a minute, it makes the weapon accessible to us. But we have to have that truth around us. The Roman, the Roman uh, soldier would put on the belt first over his undergarments. He would put on the belt to, to hold his undergarments secure so that it's not just flapping around if he's in battle and he's swinging a sword. It's not going to get caught on anything and, and pull it. The belt holds everything secure. This illustration is such a good illustration that Paul gives. It says, listen to this, truth will keep you in order. It will keep your life in order. It will keep everything else in check. You don't have to believe the lies of the enemy because we have the truth right here. Mm. I love that. Here's the second piece. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, and put on the body armor of God's righteousness. The body armor. Depending on the, the translation you're reading is probably say the breastplate of righteousness. It's the, the part that covers your chest. Well, what's inside your chest? Your chest thumper, that's right. Your heart your lungs, your most vital organs. This is good. The Bible tells us that God's righteousness will protect our hearts. Will protect our hearts. Because here's the thing, if the enemy can't get you with a lie, he will try to tell you a half-truth. He will say, who do you think you are? You call yourself a Christian? Do you remember what you did last night? How can you say that you're a child of God with your past? What is he doing? He's attacking our relationship. He's trying to say this. Listen, you, you might not have fallen for my lies, but let me tell you a little bit of a truth. You're a sinner. Who are you? to be loved by God. I don't know if any of you have ever felt like that before, but I want to encourage you with this. It's righteousness. It's God's righteousness that will protect your heart whenever the enemy comes at you and tries to tell you that you're an illegitimate child of the living God. I want to talk more about that here in just a moment, but I want to move on for right now. The next part is the shoes. The shoes. Version, if, if you're reading the New King James or something, the ESV, it probably says the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, as armor, the shoes don't do a whole lot to protect you from a sword or a spear, but if you're in the middle of a battle and you're fighting the enemy and you don't have that foundation under your feet, if the enemy comes and knocks you off of your feet, you're going to have to fight from a, a position that's not advantageous for you. You're going to be on your back. You're going to be on your bum. You're going to be fighting, and you, you have no sense of, of control or stability or, or coordination from a position fighting like this. You would be an easy target for the enemy. And so Paul gives us this illustration. He says, put on for shoes... The preparation of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that is peace for you. Knowing this, if you have something on your feet, you're going to be sure-footed. If you have the gospel, the good news of Jesus on your feet, you are a formidable foe against the enemy. In football, whenever someone is tackling or if someone's getting tackled, they, they will tell you to, to just go and just 
brute force just hit them, wrap them up, and trip them down. But if you've ever seen a wide receiver that's running down the field, he's got the ball and he's running for the end zone, and the defender's behind him, what does he try to do? He knows he's not going to catch up to you and just bear tackle you. What does he do? He tries to dive and grab your feet, trip you up. But if we are sure, if we have that foundation, that, if you say the, the preparation of the gospel of peace, that word preparation means a prepared foundation in the Greek, a prepared foundation. You have to have that good news as a prepared foundation for you. And if you do, if you know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be secure in your footing. And let me tell you, there's no better foundation that you will ever find. There is no sweeter thing that I have ever heard with my two years than the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, hold up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now, I really like this one. This one's good. It tells us to hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I don't know if you've ever been in battle where someone was shooting arrows at you. Probably not. I haven't either. But I can imagine it'd be pretty scary. Like, I imagine being shot with a gun would be scary, but I imagine being stabbed by something would be even worse. <laughs> you kind of see it coming, you know? And the Bible tells us to use the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the enemy. Now, back in first century Rome, whenever they would conquer nations, one incredibly brilliant tactic that they had was they would uh, fashion their arrows to where they could be lit on fire. And whenever they would be lined up with their opponents, their soldiers would, would draw back their bows and shoot these flaming arrows at their enemy. And the enemy would be carrying their shields, and back in this day, we didn't have the, the, the lightweight metals that are strong and durable like we have today. So most soldiers had wooden shields. And so the, sh the, the arrows would get stuck in the wood. And if everything went a plan, uh, according to their plans, the enemy's arrows would start catching the shield on fire. And so imagine you're in battle, and your shield gets shot with a flaming arrow, you're running around, now your shield is on fire. What are you going to do? You're going to be tempted to put your shield down. It's on fire. But that was their tactic, the enemy. Because if, you could, if they could get you to put your shield down, you have just exposed your body to swords and spears and more arrows, I guess. I love this illustration. You ready? He says, pick up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows. Notice he says, pick it up. Don't put it down. Pick it up. Have you ever felt like your faith had been tested by fire? <laughs> and you're struggling to hold on to your faith? Listen, can I say this? Lovingly as a pastor, it would be better for you to get burned than to get shot with an arrow. <laughs> spiritually speaking, of course, and physically speaking, but spiritually speaking, of course. So I love this illustration. He says this, hold up the shield of faith. Hold it up. And I love this too. Another tactic for a flaming arrow Listen, if you were to be struck by a flaming arrow, it honestly wouldn't matter if it was on fire or not because the damage has already been done. If you get struck with an arrow, the damage has been done. <laughs> Most of the time, especially in this time, those were mortal wounds. So the arrows being on fire, not only was it to hopefully catch a shield on fire, but it was also just a fear tactic. The arrow was just as deadly without the fire, but with it on fire, it, it presents this extra added element of fear. And Paul is saying this, listen, your faith is what will keep fear in check in your life. You have to have faith in the Lord so that whenever these fearful things that the enemy tries to throw at you, you'll be able to 
catch them with your shield. You'll be able to extinguish them, depending on the, the version you're reading. It says, so you can extinguish the fiery arrows of the evil one. Yo, that's just good. That's good. I love that. He says this, put on salvation as your helmet. Put on salvation as your helmet. Now, salvation as a helmet, obviously, what does the helmet do? It guards your, your head. It guards your dome. Guards your mind. And so Paul is saying this, put on the helmet of salvation. It's salvation that will guard your mind. You have to understand it. If you have committed your life to Christ, you have been saved. If you have given your heart to Jesus, you have been saved. And he's saying this, it's that salvation that will guard your mind because the enemy will come back and he'll try to tell you, well, are you really saved? I mean, are you really a Christian? We need to be secure in our, in our salvation. Here's the next one. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, up until this point, all of these elements here are for defense. But now we have our weapon. The Word of God. I want to encourage you with this. If you feel like you're in a, in a time, in a situation in your life or in your family, where you feel like you've just been suffering attack after attack after attack, can I please encourage you to pick up the Word of God? Because our enemy is terrified by it absolutely terrified by the word of God. It's not just a weapon, it's the most dangerous weapon. I love this, it says it's sword of the spirit. Now, there were deadly weapons back in first century Rome, but the most deadly was the sword. Now they had arrows that they could shoot across distances, but they weren't entirely accurate. And the best way to fight back in that day was with the sword. And it was hard to defeat someone who knew their way around the sword really well. And so he tells us to pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, because it will absolutely put terror in the heart of your enemy. I love this. God won't put you in a battlefield and not give you a weapon. If you feel like you're in a hard time in your life, you have a weapon, and it was given to you by God. And I imagine if God gave us the weapon, it's probably pretty useful for us. <laughs> and we should probably take it and run with it. Not run away with it, but run with it. I love this. If you have the defensive items on, and you're given the offensive item, you don't just have to run and retreat. Notice, there's no back to any of this armor God never intended us Christians to be running away from spiritual attacks. He says, stay in your ground. Stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love this. Quit taking yourself so seriously because honestly, it's not you that will win the battle. It's God that will win the battle. I love, I love this. I think so many times, Christians, we feel like we can do this all on our own. We can figure it out all on our own. We can fight these battles all on our own. But we can't, church. We have to have a strategy against the enemy. We know his strategy now. So we've got to pick up the armor and the weapon to fight against the enemy. And I want to point this out to you. None of this armor is ours. Look, look at it again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on all of, put on all of God's armor. It's God's armor. It's not even our own. Think about this, the belt of truth have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, I hear what you're saying, but that's your truth. That's not my truth. I believe <laughs> right now with the, the, the younger generation, we have this concept that something can be true for you, but it doesn't mean that it's true for me. And can I tell you, that's just not true. That's not true. 
There is a song by a Christian rapper named Lecrae, and in the song he says, if what's true for you is true for you, and if what's true for me is true for me, then what if my truth says that yours is a lie? Is your truth still true? That's kind of a mind-blowing idea there. But I love this. Truth doesn't come from a human. If it's true for me, then it's true for you. And if it's true for you, then it's true for me because truth isn't relative, truth is absolute. Truth is concrete. And if truth isn't relative, that means that we can't decide what's true and what's not. Only God can decide that. And let me tell you what truth is. It's this right here. We gotta put on the belt of truth. That's not our armor. Your truth, your, your truth ain't gonna get you anywhere. You need God's truth. You can't just... My brother and I were talking yesterday, and we, we were talking uh, about the Bible, and uh, we, we said one thing that, that kind of gets under our skin a little bit is, is a preacher that will preach their opinion and try to use the Word of God to back their opinion up. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, but listen, your opinion shouldn't just be your opinion. Your opinion should be the truth of the Word of God. We shouldn't just use the Word of God to, to preach our own truth. We should live in the truth of God because it's true. The other thing, righteousness. Righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. I want you to check this out. It's not your righteousness that will keep you safe. It's God's righteousness. Notice what Paul says here. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Listen, this is so good. I love this so much. Your righteousness ain't gonna get you anywhere. Sorry, grandmother said ain't. It ain't gonna get you anywhere. Check this out. Romans chapter three, verse 10 says, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one, which tells me that my righteousness cannot save me because I'm not righteous. Romans three, verse 22 says, we are made right with God, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. We are made right with God. That's what the word righteousness means. It means right standing with God. I've heard so many people say, well, I'll start coming to church once I get right with God. I'll give my life to Jesus once I get right, once I get my life right. No, 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 you got it all wrong. If you're gonna be protected from the attacks of the enemy, you need God's righteousness. And that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Not by anything that we could do, it just comes from faith in Jesus Christ. So good. The gospel, obviously we know the gospel is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Faith, Romans chapter 12 verse three says, because of this privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Listen, if you have faith, it's not because you're superhuman. If you have faith, it's because God has given us all a measure of faith. The shield of faith is God's armor. Salvation. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. We can't be saved. We can't save ourselves. Salvation is a gift from God. Put on that helmet of salvation, and then the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word comes from the mouth of God. So every piece of armor isn't yours, it's, it's God's. So I wanna close with this. What is our responsibility? We wanna stand against the strategies of the devil. We need the armor of God. So what is our responsibility? Because it's not ours. We, you can't go out and buy this. You can't go out and make it. It's ours. It's God's armor, but it's been given to us. So what is our responsibility? To put it on. Check this out, verse 11. Put on 
all of God's armor. Verse 13, put on every piece of God's armor. Verse 14, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace. Do you think Paul was trying to, or do you think God, whenever he inspired Paul to write this, do you think he was trying to get a point across to us? Put it on! Put it on! Verse 16, hold up the shield of faith. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the Spirit. Listen, it's not just good enough to have the armor of God sitting in a trunk somewhere in your bedroom. You have to put it on. As a Christian, you've got to take it off of the hanger and you've got to go and you've got to put it on. You have to dress yourself for battle. And remember, as you're dressing, this isn't your armor. This isn't your goodness. This isn't your righteousness. This is God's righteousness. This is the truth of God's word. You got to pick it up. You got to put it on so that you'll be well equipped for every battle. Jeff, help me out, man. Quit just standing there. Good grief. Put these shoes on, man. You gotta put it on. <laughs> Jeff! Man, you are being totally useless. I'm trying to get a point across, man. Help me out here. You gonna stay? Put it on. Stay. You gotta put it on. Some of y'all act like he just died. He didn't die, he's got on the armor of God. Come on, people. Yeah, you will be standing firm. Jeff, see, that's what happens if you don't put it all in. The Bible says put on all of God's armor. He didn't have it all on. That's why he wasn't standing firm. You got to stand firm now, Jeff. We got, we got it all on you. There we go. Where's your hand, man? There we go. Hold on to this. You got you to gotta take it up. You got to hold it on to it. There we go. There we go. Dude, <laughs> you don't look like you're standing real firm. But uh, remember, that's just an illustration. He might fall over again, but uh, it's just an illustration. You have to put it on. He looks a little bit more fit for battle now, doesn't he? He looks a little bit better suited to fight against the strategies of the enemy. So this week, I want to encourage you to not just have the armor of God sitting on a shelf, but put it on. Put on truth. Put on God's righteousness. Put on the gospel of Jesus and run with it. Take up and pray with faith. Put on and pray salvation. Take up and pray the word of God. I love this. Right after it talks about the armor of God, it says this in verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Pray in the spirit was, was Paul's code word he used in Ephesians, or in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14. He used to say, Pray in tongues. Listen, he's not talking about put on the armor of God and be a good little Christian. He's saying, no, put on the armor of God and pray. Pray in the Spirit. Don't just pray on your own power. Don't even do that on your own power. Pray in the Spirit of God at all times and on every occasion. I love this. So I want to encourage you this. This is a great thing you can do this week, a real practical thing you can do. Pray with the armor of God. Pray, and whenever you pray, speak the truth of the Word of God. And whenever you pray, understand that it's not just your righteousness that's going to accomplish anything. Pray with an understanding that it's the righteousness of God. Come on. Mm. Pray the gospel of Jesus. What does that mean, Pastor Sam? You need to pray with a, not only do you need to know the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we need to pray the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I love this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, it's the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message that I told you. Useless, or unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. And then he goes on to tell them, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Here's the gospel. Are you ready? If you've never heard the gospel, this is it. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scripture said. I love that. Whenever you pray, have that assurance in your heart of the gospel. Whenever you pray, hold up your shield of faith. Every, whenever I pray, especially if I'm praying for healing for somebody, 
I, I, whenever I pray, I will say something like this, you know, God, I believe and I have faith that you want to heal this person's elbow or, you know, that you want to heal this person's body. And the reason I say that is not because God needs to be reminded that I have faith. It's because I need to be reminded to have faith when I pray. You need to have faith when you pray. Hold up the shield of faith. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of spirit. Listen, pray the word of God. Pray, if you don't know what else to pray, start reading the word of God and just start praying the word of God is so good. Jesus, we love you so much. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you have not left us alone in the battle without armor, without a weapon, but you have given us everything we need to come against the enemy. And Lord, I pray that we would pick up and that we would put on each one of these things that you have given us. Lord, that we would hold up our shield of faith and take up the sword of the Spirit. That we wouldn't be Christians that are constantly running away, scared of the enemy, Lord, but we would understand his strategy and not take him too seriously because we know that you have already won the battle and that you are fighting with us and you're fighting for us. And God, I pray that we would have the boldness to stand our ground and wear the things that you have given us. We love you so much, God. I pray that each one of these men and women of God in this place would leave here today with a little bit more armor on and a lot more pep in their step, knowing that even as much as 2020 has dealt us, God, that we're able to go out and live according to the word of God and still be victorious because you have given us everything we need. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. One last thought. Paul, at the end of this, he asked the believers, he says, and pray for me too. I'm in chains now, still preaching, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Listen, the armor is not just for you. The armor that God has given you is so that you can fight for others too, and so that you can pray and be well prepared for others' sakes too. Amen.